Welcome to the Raise Up Podcast, the only podcast focused on how you can get a raise at work. Every week, we're dishing tips and tricks straight from the industry experts, CEOs, and HR directors so you can finally get paid what you're worth. So buckle up, Buttercup. Let's bring it down. She's a little sassy, but a lot of fun. Here's your host, Amanda LaFever. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Raise Up Podcast. My name is Amanda Lefevre, and I'm here to help you make more money at your job. My new friend and our special guest today is a mom, author, and international speaker, Heidi Floyd. Heidi has welded together a decade of nonprofit management experience with her experience as a breast cancer survivor and is now a whirlwind activist in the field of breast cancer patient support. Heidi has served as the voice of the patient for many organizations, including Ford, Google, the U.S. Department of Defense, the American Cancer Society, and Susan G. Komen, and has been published in Forbes, Huffington Post, CNN, and in the New York Times. Hey, Heidi. Thanks Hello. for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, I'm so excited. So I was totally drawn to you and your story. Do you mind telling our listeners a little bit about what you're passionate about and why? Sure, sure. I'm, I'm passionate about many things, but I kind of have a singular focus now. I am first and foremost a, a wife and mom, and so that kind of is where where all of my energy is centered. However, the my my side passion, if you will, is for breast cancer research. And in my family, my my mom had breast cancer, as did her mom, and 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 I myself have breast cancer. And since I have children, I would like that it stop with me. I would prefer that my children not have to say those exact words that I just did. And so I'm doing all I can with my limited capabilities to get the voice out and and educate people who want to learn about it to help companies find their philanthropic heart if they want to be you know someone who can partner in this and to be supportive to to families who are going on their cancer journey that's that's really where my my heart lies that's amazing and i know that you have done so much over the last years and you've overcome a significant amount. And as we talked about a little bit, our show is all about someone improving their financial situation, like getting a raise at their job. But I was drawn to you as a guest and I'm excited to have you here because we have found a lot of our listeners feel like they're trapped in a bad situation at work and Mm -hmm. they aren't sure which way to go. And you've found yourself sort of trapped in an unbelievably bad position. Can you talk about mindset when you're faced with like major life obstacles? Sure. I've, I mean, everyone has obstacles and everyone has their, their own story of, of how they've overcome things or even if they're in the middle of it right now, it will be their story you know, five years from now, they'll be able to look back and kind of tell what happened. Everyone's ha- have had, everyone has had bad, bad jobs, but have liked the people that they've worked with or have really liked their jobs and not liked the people that they've worked with. So it's really just kind of a different scenario. I myself um, was kind of living what I would consider to be this fantastic life. I had great husband, kids, things were going well. Um, my husband had decided to kind of step away from his computer programming job and become a, a pastor. And so he was at school. And that is right when we realized that I simultaneously, we realized that not only was I pregnant, but I also had breast cancer. Oh, wow. And so, and, and I was 35. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's, that's, that was inconceivable. My, my mom was young when she was diagnosed with breast cancer and passed very young. Uh, so for me, 
I, I did all of that came rushing back, you know, that those emotions, oh my gosh, what do I do? And um, at the time my husband was in school. So I was the one working full-time supporting our family. I had the insurance and then this, this devastating news, really the very first doctor that I met with encouraged me, didn't encourage me. It, there was no encouragement. It was quite the opposite. I was told without question, if I wanted to live, I had to terminate the pregnancy. No question. My cancer was too aggressive. That's just the situation. And and I remember everything swirling in my head, like, how can this be? Are you, you know, is that, that can't be, there has to be options where everyone talks about choice. How come I'm not being presented with one? What's, what's the situation? Um, so we had to do a little bit of scouting and found a doctor who in fact told me, you know, yes, you, you will be able to combat this. You'll be able to go through chemotherapy while you're pregnant, but it's going to be really hard. Like it will be harder than what your mom went through, harder than what all the other women are going through when you sit there with them in the waiting room. Um, and and I thought, well, that's, you know, in my mind, my thought was kind of swirling. Oh my gosh, this is terrible. Am I even going to live? But even though he told me it was going to be the most difficult thing, he still gave me hope. He still told me there would be light at the end of the tunnel, but it would be a tunnel. Like there would be a journey that you would have to go through that would be incredibly difficult. But at the end, um, there was a a slim percentage that not only might I survive, but I might also get a baby out of it. So, mm -hmm. so, um, and that's kind of how I jumped into it, realizing that yes, far away was something that I could reach for, something that I could strive for, something tangible, another human, um, something worth fighting for. Um, and that to me is, is just paramount, knowing that there's something at the end, something that you can achieve for, something you could strive for. And the big thing is, and of course, all of this relates to I mean, it's, it's my life, it's my story, but it can relate to so many things. Knowing that there's something at the end, knowing that you can't do it by yourself, knowing that you have to rely on the, the intelligence and the gravitas of other people, um, just kind of going through that situation really did educate me in ways that, that I couldn't have even imagined. Um, we, we, did, we did stay with that doctor uh, who's a genius, brilliant man, knew exactly how to administer the, the chemotherapy, what would and would not cross a placental barrier. Um, and in the end, I, um, I delivered a, a safe, healthy, handsome, beautiful little boy. Um, and it was, it was a struggle. It was incredibly difficult. Um, but as promised, the journey was long and hard, but it, it was successful knowing that I, knowing that I had something to shoot for at the end. Mm -hmm. And you're in, are you in remission now? Um, yes. I am not. I had a reoccurrence um, about seven years ago. And so mm -hmm. I will, I'll never be in remission. So oh, I, okay. I take a low dose form of chemo every day. Um, and mm -hmm. it's not nearly as drastic as the intravenous. Um, this is more just a, they're trying to hold what I have. I was not able to get what they call clean margins in the surgery. So I still have some inside of me. So they're just keeping it, keeping it in, in control. So it's not mm -hmm. spreading rampant throughout my body. So, gotcha. um, but that's kind of been fueled to my fire as well. You know, knowing, uh -huh. you know, I did everything I was supposed to do and then it came back again. It just made me, it served to make me more angry, but then also, okay, what else can I do? If I, if, you know, if doing the walks and the, presentations was enough. How else can I be involved in the cancer community to help out? Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's where I ended up where I am. <laughs> right. So all of these opportunities have not even these opportunities, like these tragedies, you've turned them into an opportunity, more or less is what it sounds like. Yeah, I think I, I had no intention of that. Just so you know, I was, mm -hmm. I, I did something called, I was a computer programmer. I worked with databases. I extracted data. That was what I did. I worked alone with computers and gosh, I hadn't even, I had just had the baby, just finished chemotherapy, hadn't even started radiation yet because you can't do both when you're pregnant. And my doctor asked me if I would consider speaking. 
And I said, without question, no, no, <laughs> I will not do that. And he's like, but I, he, he kind of sat me down and explained to me like, this is, this is why this matters in your mind. This is your story and you may or may not want to keep it private. But he said, I, I've dealt with several different types of people over my long and storied career. And there are people that get cancer and they want to put it in a box and put it away and never tell anyone about it. He said, and then there's people that get it and they, it really does fuel their fire. They're so angry. They have, it's, they don't know where to place their energy. And so they, they use it to help other people. He said, I could be wrong, but I think you're in this other camp. I think you're in the, I want to help people. And I said, yeah, but can I do that? But like, you know, praying quietly. And he's like, no, no. (laughs) Yes, you can. But also you're going to be speaking and just tell your story because it's not just your story. There's someone who needs to hear it. There's someone who needs to hear that I'm a doctor that can help them if they're pregnant. You you know what I mean? Like that has to be done. There's someone that needs to know that, that your son is valuable to you. There's someone that needs to hear that he's okay. Someone that needs to hear, gosh, I'm going through it, but hers is much worse. So I can keep going. So Mm -hmm. it was really his, and plus he saved my life. So what am I going to say? Really? No. So <laughs> it was his kind of gentle nudging and encouragement that had me do my very first terrifying speech. And then from that, from that, literally, it's just been word of mouth. There's, I, I don't advertise. I don't, I, people just come to me and ask me to speak and share my story. So mm-hmm. it, it has been good things have come from the bad, but it's certainly by yeah. no effort of my own. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's I don't even know what to say. Like your story is so <laughs> inspiring and I'm just, I don't know. I'm amazed by what you've done with such a hard situation. Like a lot of people, like you said, would put it in a box and just, you know, hold it in and not share it. How did you use that energy? Like, how did you harness it? Um, honestly, the, the fact that I'm not a natural keynote speaker really Mm -hmm. helps because I get wildly sick beforehand because I'm so nervous. Mm -hmm. And so all the energy, I, I have to kind of compress it into calming myself down before, if I were like an actress or it was very easy for me, it would probably be very much more stressful for me. Quite honestly, all of Mm -hmm. my energy has to focus on things like, please do not let me fall when I walk up on stage. Like that's what I, that's where I kind of put everything. Oh my goodness. And then I realized there are different tiers. You know, there are, there are people that do the walks and runs all over the country to raise money and they're really good at it. And their efforts fund research that, that saves lives. That's, that's not my wheelhouse. I've done that. But when, you know, you're a mom of four and, you know, you're, you're, your husband is busy and you're helping him. But when you have all of these things going on, those types of walks and runs aren't really not something that I can do. And I wanted to keep working. And someone asked me, gosh, you know, have you ever considered grant reviews? And I'm like, I, I don't even know what that means. And they explained to me that it's, it's a pool of wonderful people that sit together and review the grant requests that come in to places like the American Cancer Society and you as a patient advocate could chime in and say that sounds great but also very painful or have we considered including um, minority populations you have to be the voice of the patient and I didn't even know that that existed and when I first went it was invited to be part of the American Cancer Society um, grants review board that was my first taste of that and it was like a light bulb went off. It was so amazing to see all of these ideas from around the world, people submitting ideas saying, I think that this might help this 
particular type of cancer. If we just try this, this new technique or this new drug, and it could be 10 years off, but just the idea that some you know, young gal, some researcher in Kansas has this brilliant idea, you know, do we fund her? Yes, we do. And so I was always the one like, yes, throw all the money at them. (laughs) (laughs) But I learned over time, you know, how to carefully analyze these, you know, it it sounds wonderful, but in reality, is it, is it sustainable? Is it something that can be executed? Might it already be happening somewhere else? You know, is it, could he be partnered with another researcher? Um, and so from there, I went to the Department of Defense and I'm on their grants review board as well. And that's, that's like the big leagues, you know, that's, that's an, an, an even bigger step. It's the United States government funds more breast cancer research than, than any, anyone else, um, which I find it fascinating. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're just brilliant people. Um, and so it's, it's just an honor to be a part of it. And that really helps focus my energy as well, because I'm not a scientist. And so when these grants come to me, I have to go through them with a dictionary and Google on both sides, learning what all these words mean so that I can properly present the voice and say, yes, I understand as much as I can. And when I'm at the, when I'm there, I'm able to ask questions as well, explain this to me. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and I'm able to do all of, all of these things. I have a full-time job. Um, I, I work as an executive admin for a, a great company uh, here in Georgia, and I take all of my vacation days, every single PTO day I have to do these speaking engagements. So, um, and I think when you and I first started talking, um, I thought, gosh, you know, I, 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 I don't make a lot of money. So <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm the right one, but to me, what my company allows me to do is almost just as important. You know, I can say, I'm not going to take two solid weeks of vacation like everybody else. I'm going to take a Friday here or a Wednesday here or a Tuesday and a Monday or, and, and they allow me, not only do they allow me to do it, but they encourage me. My bosses are like, oh, you're going to do great. You know, this is fantastic. Where are you going this time? And you know, they, they, they celebrate what I'm doing. And I think that is just as important as you know, making a ton of money. Would it be great, you know, to be able to pay off all my cancer bills? Yes, it would. But it's also great knowing that I'm supported emotionally um, and prayerfully by my bosses. That that really means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge piece of it. We've talked about that a little bit, kind of that raises and promotions don't always come in the form of like monetary compensation that they come they can come in flexibility or they can come in the fact that if your kid's sick you can leave and it's okay oh my gosh you know it's just um sometimes we get stuck in this mindset that that's the only way to have money is it yeah yeah like this full and great life as if we hit this certain point but sometimes And I think that, and that was one of the things in our pre-interview that I was really excited about is how amazing the company you work for is and how supportive they are of what you're doing because you're helping so many other people by being able to go and speak and share your story. And then I didn't even know about the grant writing. That's even more the grant review. I mean, that's amazing. And and, and, And it's not, it's, it's kind of the the emotional heart, if you will, the philanthropic heart of the company. And it's, and there are other companies that do this as well, but they're few and far between. So when you find them, it's not just saying, we really care about people and we want to have them, we want to, we want to encourage them to do charitable acts. No, it's, it's more than that. It's saying, I understand um, that you, you work in our warehouse five days a week, but you have taken 
time to go help this this camp for children. You know, I'm just using an example. Uh, mm -hmm. Children with special needs, they don't just like talk about it and look at it. They they say, what else can we do to help you? You know, it, this is worth celebrating. And to mm -hmm. me, that's that's crucial. If you if you work and and you're so you're solely focused just on financial there's a huge part of your life that you could be missing by not helping others and it, i'm not saying everybody has to go out right now and fund breast cancer if you want to though that's right. <laughs> <laughs> i'll I hook you up with heidi <laughs> if, you, if like you know if you're if your grandpa struggled with parkinson's maybe that should be your charity or you know your, your little next door neighbor girl has um cystic fibrosis maybe that's your charity find something to give back and then mm -hmm. talk about it. Like, don't just do it in a little, and I understand everyone likes their privacy, but what if by sharing with people what you did this weekend, you know, I, I did help my neighbor with cystic fibrosis, you know, and here's what we did. Um, someone else might say, I, I never even thought about that. I didn't even know that that is something that's needed in our community. Can I help you next time? Or I, I you know, I had no idea that um, that gentleman with Parkinson's, like, you know, the smell of flowers will really help him. Can I help you make a basket? Like things, yeah. if you share what you're doing with your heart, you're inviting others into that same space. And I think that's worth more than money anytime, every mm -hmm. time. <laughs> Absolutely. So there was uh, one interview with the Susan G. Komen Foundation. You mentioned when people are fighting cancer, they have to talk about it. You said, reveal yourself. Is that good advice for the workplace as well? We're talking about that a little bit. Like you didn't ask to be put in a bad spot, like ask for help when you need it type situation. Yes. And I, and I learned that the hard way. I initially, um, it was a very difficult situation, but I, I didn't reveal as much as I should have, um, especially about, I mean, I think the more candid you can be, it depends on your situation. If you're in, a, in an environment where you feel like they don't really care <laughs> and you're pretty confident that they don't care, um, that might just be an, an indicator that you might be in the wrong situation. But if you feel like you can confide in someone, and I'm not saying HR, you know, I'm saying anyone in the company, just to let them know um, I'm going through this situation. It could be temporary. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm helping my great aunt who's, who's probably only got a month to live. Let them know, let them know that situation. But if it's something that's ongoing and you don't know, it's important that you let, let them know as well. Now, if you're not comfortable doing so, then don't, because it could obviously be, be used, you know, against you. I mean, there, it is not uncommon for people with cancer specifically to be fired. Um, to be mistreated at work um and and that's a that's an entirely horrible topic I, yeah i had no i i didn't even oh, know that was a thing it is unbelievable the harassment that occurs um in places that you wouldn't even expect mm -hmm. is shocking but and so that's that's how i know to, to cherish environments that are the opposite of that and and it's not just i'm going through this situation by opening up to people that you trust they might be able to say Hey, you don't know this, but in a month or two, financially, you're going to be in a really hard place because I've been there and here's what happened. Or don't, don't do this with insurance, go this path. The more you open up, the more you can learn. Everything is a learning experience. You're not asking for help as much as you're looking for an education. Um, should I, you know, like in our situation, we had no idea. My husband and I, we have been fastidious. We're very good, very cautious and conservative of our money. And then when 
when I got cancer, the bills started to roll in that you can't even imagine $300,000 bills, things like that. It was oh. crazy. And we didn't know what we were doing. And so we said, how are we going to pay these bills? We, we got credit cards and maxed them out paying off cancer bills. We shouldn't have, we didn't know that we could go to the hospital and talk to them about this or that insurance, you don't pay first insurance pays for it. Like we, we didn't know any of that. Um, and those tools aren't available to people, but if you're comfortable enough to talk to someone at work, it doesn't even have to be the same situation. It could be someone that had just, you know, gone to the hospital for a, you know, a stroke or something like that. They could say, listen, I have the same insurance as you. Here's what you need to do. Um, and that is valuable as well. If you have someone at work, that's, that's worth, that's very valuable as well. It's not like getting a raise, but it certainly is financial acumen. The, the education that you need to deal with any sort of crisis is wonderful. Um, and if you can get that at work, again, that's, that's, that's just as good as a raise in some cases. Yeah. We had, you had mentioned a little bit too, about your current position, their health insurance, that that was one of the draws as well. Yes, absolutely. Sure. Um, I don't think that we really talked about that earlier, but um, one of the questions that I wanted to ask uh, is obviously you're a really great speaker speaking at Google and (laughs) Ford as a patient advocate, you're part of care teams with a lot of big personalities. What advice can you give us about being confident and clear about what you need at work? I think everyone knows the the waters that they're swimming in at work. Mm. Um, And if they don't, I'm hesitant because I've had so many friends in the cancer community, like I said, be, be completely mistreated at work, you know, completely maligned and treated poorly. But then I've seen the opposite, people being embraced. Um, I think it's each individual person needs to assess the situation that they're in. If you are comfortable, if you feel like you can trust the people at work, then do share. You'll know, you'll know by looking in their faces when when you've said it too many times or when you've crossed a line or if someone is disconnecting. Um, but it might be their opportunity to learn from you as well. Like, oh, I, you know, I didn't know you had to travel. Um, I, I have airline miles. Can I help you get there to your treatment? Things like that. If you, in, if you do it without asking for help, but just kind of letting them know, just be as candid as possible. You know, I'm struggling with um, making meals every Friday because that's when the chemo kicks in. You know, just being as candid as possible to see because you never know. People might surprise you um, being willing to help or offer you advice mm-hmm. uh, and tips and not not advice about your situation. Not like, oh, you know, my aunt sister had, you know, imported some mold from Mexico to help with cancer. Oh, that's no. Like, that's not what I mean. No, no, no. I mean. Does that happen too? Oh, all the time. <laughs> all the time. Well, you know, if you had only been eating vegan, I'm like, oh, come on, come on. Oh, no. Well, not that type of advice, but I mean the literally, I just went through this. Did you know that there's this thing you could do with our insurance company? Did you know that there's a... Um, a psychologist available at no cost on our insurance, things like that to help you emotionally go through things. If you don't know what's available, then it's, it's incumbent on others, I think, to help you, you know, to learn what's available to me. How can I make it through this situation? What are some things that you feel like have helped you make it through these situations? Um, I'm, I am a, uh, a person who believes vehemently that I have, I have a God who loves me. Um, and I, and I know that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I mean, my, my personal situation is 
I like that guy in the Bible that helped everybody all the time and wasn't really mean. That's what I'm going for. The not mean guy, he's the one I like. And so that's kind of where I find a lot of strength, knowing that no matter how many times I fall, I, I will always be loved. But then I also see um, that by, by sharing my story and by reaching out to others, I see that little spark in their eye that I think my doctor must have seen when he told me, yeah, it's going to be really hard, but you might make it. Just being able to share with someone, you know, look for a doctor that, that will help you. Giving the advice for people that didn't know, um, that really helps me. Helping others has helped me more than almost anything else. Um, saying things like, oh my gosh, do you know that there's a, there's a group called the Pink Fund in Michigan and they'll help you pay your bills while you're going through chemo. People light up. They have no idea that there are entities out there that really just want to help them. And when I can share that information, oh, it's, it's incandescent. It really is wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that helps me by, by giving to others. It helps my heart enormously. Yeah. Well, I know you have four kids, right? Mm -hmm. So it's probably a little chaotic at home. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Have you heard all the, all the comings and No, going? no, I don't mean it like that. No, no. I'm just wondering, like, how have you balanced it all? How do you... How you, you said God, and I, I <laughs> yeah. believe in that too. And it just, it seems like so much, like, um, I'm sure me, at times it was really heavy. Oh, oh my, yes. And, and dark. I mean, there were times when it, I didn't, I did not think that I would live. Mm -hmm. And so I always go forth kind of thinking, if that happens, what are you going to do? Because having lost my mom, you know, when I just started college, I know what it's like not to have a mom there when you get married and when you have babies and when you have mm -hmm. questions. And, and so I know what that absence is like. Um, and so I immediately went into work mode, which is, you know, the, 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 the fight or flight situation. Mine is um, scrub the floors. Like if you're panicking, <laughs> here's what you need to do. And so for me, I did things like I assumed I was going to die, which is probably horrible, but there it is. Um, I, re I used I sing to my children. I used to sing to them at night all the time. And so I recorded each one of them a little CD with me singing their favorite songs. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm not there five years later, I want them to still have some sort of, because I, no, I have no recording of my mom. And so I missed that terribly. And I wanted to make sure that they had that. So I did, made all these little CDs for the girls. And then I had my son, I made one for him. And then like, I'm still living, <laughs> so I have these CDs. but the kids, I gave them to the children because I started to travel a lot mm -hmm. to speak. And so they started to call it their bed night music they would to go to sleep because I wasn't dead, but I also wasn't there. So, <laughs> right. so when I would travel, they would listen to this music. So I've never excluded them. I've always included them on conversations. If I go to a speaking engagement that's local, um, I'll take them with me. You nice. know, you're, you're going to come listen to mom, even if you're a baby, especially when Noah, my son's name is Noah, when he was born, everyone wanted him to come mm -hmm. to, to be at the event so they could see like the face of hope. That's what they wanted to see. So I dragged that baby across this country <laughs> to so many different speaking engagements. Um, and at one point, it was a huge event. I think there were probably 8,000 women. It was a big, it was an arena. And afterwards, and he's, he has white hair. He's very, very blonde. And at the end, there were so many grandmas that had kissed him. The lipstick on the top of his oh head 
was so bad. And he said, I don't want to do this anymore. So, so I promised him he no longer has to do that. But I, I tried to make sure that I didn't have like this volunteer work that I do over here. And then my family and work over here to me, if it's not all together, then it's not true. You know, I, I wanted them to know it's important to do philanthropic things. It's important to give your heart to something, find that thing. If it's not cancer, please, I hope it's not cancer. I hope it's the environment. I hope it's something else that you care about enough to get involved and be willing to donate so much time to. Um, and they've, so they've always known that growing up, they've always been around this environment of um, doing this work to help other people. Um, we were, I forget, we were walking in a forest one time. We were taking a hike. We love taking hikes. And I was in front of the kids and they didn't know that I heard them, but they were like walking around. And my, my son said, oh my gosh, look at that tree. It's so deformed. And they all stop. And he said, it looks like it has a tumor. And my daughter said, don't tell mom. She'll get it some kind of support group. <laughs> so, so they know all the language. They know the words and they're also like, whatever. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Well, and they've seen you just this like beacon of hope and truth and service and just being out there. It's such an amazing like role model for your kids. I'm really impressed. It is, they, it's very light. It's very lighthearted for them because I mean, it's a very serious topic, but yeah. they've heard me. They've heard me share my story so many times. And I actually asked my youngest daughter's name is Bella. And when she was like eight, I asked her not to consider coming with me anymore because she would lip sync me up there. And then at the point where like everyone would be crying, she'd be like this <laughs> in the front row. Oh, no. Pretend tears. Yes. I'm like, what? Fired. She's like, no, I want to keep coming because then I can get the little the little hot dogs at all these events. I'm like, no, <laughs> she, 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 the no. little hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. They like going to fancy events, but they just don't want to hear mom talk the whole time. <laughs> uh-huh. They want the good food. <laughs> and the swimming pool at the hotel, yes. right? Oh yes, that's exactly right. They like they like the travel. They just don't like the the boring part. End quote. End quote. <laughs> All right. Well, we're getting ready to close, and so I have uh, just kind of like one more question, I think. And I'm just wondering if somebody finds themselves in like a situation where they feel hopeless. What is something that you would you would tell them? I would tell them to look for the little things. Um, someone just asked me this at a major corporation had me speak to their all hands meeting. And there was a young gentleman who said exactly that. Um, it was just the beginning of COVID. And he said, I feel so helpless and hopeless and alone. And like, what do I have to live for? That's exactly what he said. And I said, tell, tell me about your day. Tell me about this morning, because this was like a, a, a noon presentation that I was giving. And he said, well, same thing as every day. You know, I got up, um, I don't know, had some coffee. I said, no, no, you got up and then what? He said, what do you mean? I said, literally walk me through. He said, well, I got up and I took a shower. I said, you got up out of a bed, correct? And he said, yeah. And I said, in a safe environment with clean sheets in an air-conditioned room. He said, yeah. I said, and then did you take a shower? He said, well, yeah, of course. I said, out of potable water, water that you could have quite conceivably had a drink from coming out of the shower. It was so clean. Um, you had soap, you had a towel, you had everything you needed. You have more than 90% of the world and you haven't even left your bedroom yet. Mm. 
by stopping for just a moment to look at the incredible bounty around us, um, the fact that you got out of bed and you're healthy, um, that you're able to put your shoes on um, without, without you know, any help or assistance, that you're able to stand up without crutches, um, that you're able to brush your teeth because you have teeth, that you have a toothbrush. These are so many things that everyone takes advantage, um, takes for granted here in, in the US because they don't, they don't realize or they forget that we're so incredibly blessed here. And, and I don't, I, I kind of, I kind of have come to hate that word because people use it for so many things, but really there's bounty all around us and there's love all around us and there's hope all around us. But if we're so focused on just getting through the day, we're going to miss it. It could be just a little flower accidentally growing in a crack on the sidewalk. But if you're so busy walking by it, you're not going to notice it. Just stop for a minute. Stop and realize that you, and, and your happiness should not be tied to your health um, or your financial success. It, it should be tied on, on what your heart truly tells you to do. Um, so look, look for the little things. Stop for just a moment and look for something very small. And then you might be able to see the very, very large gifts that are around you as well. That's amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh my gosh, this has been awesome. Can you uh, tell me where people can connect with you if they want to? What's the best way to, sure. to connect? Um, I, I'm on all sorts of social media. LinkedIn is the, the best avenue for professional and speaking. I do have a Heidi Floyd, follow Heidi is my Facebook for speaking engagements. Um, I'm pretty active on Twitter as well, mostly because there's a great cancer community out there and we will frequently shoot each other questions and answers and just support. So I use each, each platform for different things, but you just, just look for me and you can find me basically on any social media. Um, nice. And I'm, I'm happy to connect with people from around the world. Just anything that I can do to help, I'd love to. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Heidi, for being on the show. This has been incredible and you have provided so much insight. I'm really excited for everybody to listen to this. Well, thank you very much. It's an honor to be with you. Yeah. All right. Well, I will talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Raise Up Podcast. If you want to raise, head to www.raiseuppodcast.com and download our step-by-step -step roadmap where we've taken all the expert advice we've collected and put it into a simple PDF ebook called, you guessed it, How to Ask for a Raise. Before you join us again, make sure to subscribe, share it with your friends. You can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag at Amanda Lefevre. See you again soon. Thank <laughs> you.